Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. It is by your grace we are saved. It's by your grace that we come before your throne. Uh, Father, we pray right now. Father, we pray for your holy word to go forth with great power and boldness by the Spirit of God. Father, we pray that you would encourage us, you would spur us on to love and to good works. You would not only equip us here, Lord, to, to reach you us with the gospel of your Son. We pray, for Lord, for the gospel to go forward, Father, also overseas in Germany. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to grow there, to be built up. Send more workers out to the harvest. Your harvest is plentiful, Lord. The workers are few. Father, renew our minds, Lord, this morning through the preaching of your word, Father. May I be faithful to the text. Lord, anything I say, Lord, that is not uh, uplifting, is not building up, Lord, just erase it from our minds. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's word. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Um, if you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 528. And so we are instructed this morning in Proverbs 3 to to not forget God's instructions. To not forget God's instructions. Proverbs 3, beginning in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Will be healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. And your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself when I say this, that Proverbs has been extremely edifying for my soul over the last month. I have found my mind more transformed and conforming more, less to the things of this world. Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is a covenant relationship. The beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of Yahweh. It is salvation. It is turning from sin and trusting in Christ alone for the salvation of your soul. It's trusting in his perfect life, his sacrificial death on the cross, his burial and his bodily resurrection. The truth that Christ is risen, he is Savior and he is Lord. 
Last week, Blake challenged us to look at our life and ask the question, do I really want wisdom or am I satisfied with just knowledge? That most of us understand the fear of Yahweh. We just don't fear him because we love the things of this world far too much. Here is the truth. This world will not satisfy and neither will knowledge. If we stop at knowledge, we will deceive ourselves and be discontent in this life. Information, facts, meaning, principles, they're highly important, but we were made to take these to heart and glorify the Lord. We were made to keep God's good commands, to keep his good commands, and they are good, because if we don't take to heart what God has said, we will not find rest in Christ. Just take the last month, for example. You can look back over your life and you can see times when you have not taken what God has said to heart and you were not satisfied. And when we do that, we will embrace and hold hands with this world. We will love what is forbidden and forsake the living God. Last week in Proverbs 2, we heard the words, if we receive God's word, this is to take it with us. If we treasure up the commandments of God, this is a work of keeping the commands. If we make our ear attentive to wisdom, this is to draw near to Lady Wisdom. If we incline our heart to understanding, that is to stretch out our heart before the Lord. If we call out for insight and raise our voice for understanding, this is us and it's us being active in the pursuit of wisdom. If we seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then we will understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. So we listen, we receive, we treasure, we draw near, we incline, we stretch out, we call out, we raise our voice, we seek it, we search for it. Then we will understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. That is to be a work by us. It is to be a daily pursuit. Because let us not forget that you and I live in a fallen world, and this fallen world is full of enticements. Colossians 2, B and 3 which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we need Christ. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 2, verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So when wisdom is a pursuit by us, only then will we truly understand and retain the fear of Yahweh in our life and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives it. Wisdom is not a tool in this life. It is a treasure because it is found in Jesus Christ. It's not a tool. Only in Christ is there abundant life. We have seen so far that wisdom is a shield. Wisdom is, a, is pleasant to the soul It watches over us. It guards us. It delivers us from the way of evil. And wisdom keeps us in the path of the righteous because it is in Christ. Proverbs 4, 7 through 8 is great. And it's just plain blunt. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. 
and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. So Proverbs is wisdom, and the wise son of Proverbs is Jesus Christ. You and I are the fools. The fear of Yahweh is the starting line as well as our constant in our pursuit of Lady Wisdom. You know, some treat Proverbs like they do everything else, that it's about them and their earthly desires. Some come to Proverbs and it's like picking apples at a grocery store. They like this one. They're not really too fond of that one. Still others treat Proverbs as if wisdom should just be a hobby. It's something that you and I seek now and then when our time allows or if we need a break from our daily routine. In the words of Richard Sibbs, the soul set on many things can do nothing well. It must mind one thing. The soul is never quiet till it comes to God again. Wisdom is to be our life pursuit and not a bi-weekly hobby. Proverbs is about Christ and pleasing him with the life that he has graciously given to us. If we fear God, we will obey him. If we fear God, we will obey him. We cannot say that we fear the Lord if we live this life ignoring his word. We, we cannot say that we fear the Lord. We cannot say that we love him when our hearts are far from him. We cannot please God while walking the path of the fool, listening to Dame Folly. You see, Lady Wisdom cries out so that we will listen and that we will follow. follow. Lady Wisdom preaches. She cries out. She raises her voice. Lady Wisdom does not whisper. If we fear God, we will obey him. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. This is a father pleading with his son to not forget what he has been taught and to set his heart on it. He says, do not forget, keep, hold on to my teaching. Do not forget, take the teaching to heart, take it with you, keep it, hold on to it, obey what I have taught. So step one, the father teaches his son. The father teaches his son. Step two, the son remembers what is taught. And step three, the son obeys what was taught. This is applied to families as well as discipleship relationships. And whatever your gifts, you need to be involved in teaching and in discipleship in some way. And if you don't understand this, the Lord has given you a church, a local body full of brothers and sisters in Christ in which you are to be involved in discipleship. Parents, teach your children at home. Or as you heard in week one, teach your children at home or they will replace you. They will find someone else to teach them. They will find somebody else to follow. Adults, you need someone pouring into you and you need to be pouring into someone else. Have a Paul and Timothy relationship in your life. Youth, you need to hear what your parents are teaching. Surround yourself with godly friends, wise friends, and find someone to pour into you. And at some point, you need to be intentional to start teaching others. Multiply. Children, 
Listen, listen, listen to the teaching of your parents. Read the word daily. Pray daily. Be attentive in Sunday school. You have wise teachers. During corporate worship, listen, take notes, develop these godly habits now. It will save you years of wasteful living that does not satisfy. In order to not forget what we have been taught, we must retain what we have heard. Retaining is required if we are to keep the commands of God. I never forget when I heard the story of R.C. Sproul and he went to this huge book convention and he walked through all these book conventions, walking through all these on display and he went to every single one of them and he asked them, can you tell me what the Ten Commandments are? He said, not one person could do it. He said he even had one person look at him in the eye and say, I don't know what they are, but I know I keep them. As he drove home from the convention, he pulled off to the side of the road and he broke down and he just wept. He said, this is where we have come to in our walk with the Lord as a whole within Christianity, that we don't cherish the things of God. We don't even know what he has said. Retaining is required if we are to keep the the commands of God. We keep the commands of God before us. Do not forget, keep, hold on to the teaching. This is the disciplined life. It's a wise life. Look at verse 2. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Remember, this is wisdom and not law. These verses do not teach that if you hold on to the godly teaching of your parents that we will automatically live longer. These verses do declare that if our hearts keep the commands of God, our life will not be filled with wasteful and ungodly living. If we keep the teaching, we will have peace. That means we will not live an undisciplined life with self-inflicted suffering, but we will have a rich and meaningful life because it's in Christ. When we keep the commands of God, We will live according to God's will. This is a life of peace, resting in who God is and his promises. We often wonder how can the the great men and women of old, how could they live how they lived and being persecuted like they were persecuted? It's because they had peace in doing the will of God no matter what man did to them. When we live according to his will, we please him. And pleasing him is to be our life. That is our chief end. And so it means to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Forever includes the here and the now. Look at verse 3. It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. This is internal. It's not external. It's internal. This is not speaking of behavior modification or an external perception that others may have of us. This is not moralism. This is internal. It's pleasing God from the heart so that we do not forget and hold on to what has been taught. We are told to bind and write steadfast love and faithfulness. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. To forsake Lady Wisdom calling, to ignore Lady Wisdom's voice, is to forsake steadfast love and faithfulness. We can forsake or abandon steadfast love and faithfulness. To forsake steadfast love and faithfulness is to forsake the living God. 
These words come from Exodus 34, 6. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You see, Proverbs is characterized by steadfast love and faithfulness. You see, without wisdom, we will not love God and we will fail to live a faithful life. You can be an educated fool, you can have an abundance of knowledge and fail to fear or to please the Lord. Some people take it a step too far, I think. I think they hear those words and they say, see, knowledge is not important. I didn't say that. You apply yourself at at your work. You apply yourself at things that you love and cherish. I'm not saying don't study. I'm not saying don't try hard. I'm not saying that you don't want to work at memorizing God's word or hiding God's word in your heart. I'm saying that you can be an educated fool. Salvation is all of grace, but it is our responsibility as his children to glorify him because you and I can live a life where we don't. Our calling is not let go and let God. It's not biblical. Our calling is not knowledge alone. That's not biblical. Our calling does not end at us understanding. Our calling is putting it all together in our life. Our calling is to get wisdom. And this is found in Christ, for he is the wise son of Proverbs. We can live a wise life as his children because of the wise son, Jesus Christ. Wisdom, the righteous application of true knowledge. The art of godly living, a reverent fear and awe before the Lord, the right knowledge applied righteously. We are to not let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake us. Wisdom is not to be abandoned by us, it is to be pursued by us. Look at verse 3. It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. The teachings that we hear concerning the truth of God and his commands are to be remembered and not forgotten. We are to bind them around our neck, write them on the tablet of our heart. The words of God are to be part of us inwardly and they're to be displayed for all to see. We embrace his words, we embrace his commands, and we live according to them. We put God's commands into practice. It does no good to say, I know the commands of God, but you wouldn't know it by the life that I live. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Let's look at verses 1 through 11 together. It talks about the blessed man, the the happy man. Psalm 119, beginning in verse one, we're called to embrace his words, his commands, to live according to them. We put his commands into practice in the here, in the now, in our life. Psalm 119 verse one says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, 
I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So do not forget the teaching of God. Store it up. Keep it. Take it with you. Store up God's word in your heart and stop storing other things there. Store up his word. Know his word in his heart. It is, it is over the overflow of what you speak that you're thinking upon what God has said and what you are to do to please him and to glorify him. Then you get to verse 4. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. We should all be concerned. We should be concerned that God knows all of our life. The fact that you and I cannot hide from the Lord. We should be concerned that God knows all of our life. If we are born again, he sees the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to us. Absolutely, amen. But he also sees our sin that clings so closely. He sees our struggles of the flesh and the spirit. He sees when we settle and listen to the voice of Dame Folly. The question we must ask ourselves is, are we truly fearful of the Lord at all? That we should be concerned that God knows all of our life. In Luke 2.52, we look at Jesus Christ, the God-man. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The Spirit will sanctify us, but we are also called to increase in wisdom. God is sovereign, but we have a work to do. Both are absolutely true. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The deity of Christ, perfect. Deity Christ, perfect. The humanity of Christ, he grew and he never sinned at any point. We should be concerned that God knows all of our life because when you and I look at our life, we don't see that. We don't see perfection. Proverbs 3 verse 4, So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. We should also be concerned about our reputation with others. Paul said this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. So we do what is right. We live for the Lord. We fear God. We don't fear man. But this doesn't mean that we don't live honorably before others. There will be people who are highly critical. If you can't say ouch, Vody says you got to say amen right there. There's scoffers. But when wisdom is increased in us, a partnership of God's grace and us seeking it, we're called to do that, we will grow in favor with God and men. Some don't like when they hear about a partnership of God's grace and man's work. Dear saint, God is sovereign, but the farmer must plant if he is going to reap. The student must study if he is going to do well. Our aim is to be what is honorable, not only in the Lord's side, but also in the side of man. And when it comes down to it, we obey God. We don't obey men. 
We will not be perfect. Faults will be found, but others will hear of Christ, the Messiah, in whom there is no fault, and they will see what we believe. They will hear what we preach, and they will know that both are true. This is a wise life. James 3 also speaks of our conduct before others. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above. It's earthly, unspiritual, it's demonic. So it's not godly wisdom. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see, a wise man, a wise woman, is not necessarily the one who has the most knowledge and understanding. It is the one who lives righteously before the Lord, the one who by their conduct shows their works in the gentleness of wisdom. We should be concerned that God knows all of our life. We should also be concerned about our reputation before men. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust Yahweh with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. To trust the Lord, that is to lean on him. His word, trust, the word trust here, it's closely related to fearing the Lord. This is an imperative. It's a command. You are commanded to trust him. To trust the Lord, you believe God's character. You believe his attributes according to what the word of God has said, not your own ideas. The fact that God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He is holy. He is good. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is love. He is righteous. But he's also just. He's wrathful. He doesn't change. And because he is just, he must punish sin. Number two, you also believe God's word. That's breathed out by God, all of it. It's profitable for us to make us competent, equipped for every good work. You believe his promises, his promises of safety, his promises of security. I mean, we sang about that all this morning. Do you trust the Lord? You see, you will trust the Lord or you will lean on your own understanding. It's one of the two. And in any given situation, you will trust the Lord or you will lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding will trust in everyone and everything else but the Lord. You need self-trust? That's foolish. I mean, that's what you find in Proverbs. You find the, the wise son and then you find the fool. And the fool is the one who has self-trust. We need to follow Lady Wisdom in our everyday affairs. Our understanding is very limited. While the Lord, he is all-knowing. We are not autonomous creatures. We are dependent upon the Lord. As created beings, we have a limited understanding. And we must know the word to be wise in the eyes of God. Therefore, we submit to him and we trust him. You know, in the majority of your daily affairs... How often do you actually lean on God? The majority of your daily affairs, 
Something happens at work. Something happens with your spouse. Something happens and you're, you're in a, a predicament. Are you actually leaning on the Lord, seeking wisdom from him, praying to him, recalling the word of God that you've been hiding in your heart? Or is it your own understanding and that's when it gets you in trouble? I didn't ask if you use your understanding. You should use your understanding. I ask, is your final decision based upon what Yahweh has said? You see, we're all called to trust the Lord and to do so with all of our heart. This is more than our intellect. This is more than facts and understanding. To trust the Lord with all of our heart is to live a wise life according to what he has said. It is a response to what the Lord has said. Our obedience from the heart for his name, his glory, and his kingdom. When we live this way, our path says it will be straight because we are following Lady Wisdom, the righteous path. It says we are to trust the Lord and in all our ways acknowledge him. This is where it really got me this week. In all of our ways we acknowledge the Lord. To acknowledge him, to consider him. We have God in view. Puritans call this quorum Deo, before the face of God. So before the face of God in all of our situations, we acknowledge him. We live all of our life before the face of God. Too often, I'm guilty of forgetting that. I forget that he sees everything. So the question we must ask is, so how can we live before the face of God? How can we acknowledge him in all of our ways? I read this week, Joel B. gave us six ways. Number one, we pray. Do you know when we don't pray, that really means we don't believe that God is sovereign and providential? We acknowledge God by praying. We acknowledge that we're dependent upon him. That's one way we acknowledge him. Number two, we search the word. If we don't search the word of God and hear what God has said, we basically close our ears to his mouth. And we say, I don't need this. Yes, we do. We acknowledge him when we search the word. Number three, we trust his providence. That whatever happens, that something happened yesterday that you didn't like, we trust that the Lord is good. We, we're acknowledging him in our minds and we're, we're asking for forgiveness when we fail the Lord. Number four, we submit to him all, in all things, especially when there's a fog. We submit to the Lord in all things, especially when there's a fog. In the last year, I know most of you well enough to know that you've had a, a major fog in your life at some point. We acknowledge the Lord when we trust him, even though we can't see through that fog. Number five, we approve of what he does at all times. That's painful. That's painful. Because you look about what you've experienced and what you've gone through, and it was horrible, and you didn't like it, you did not enjoy it, but you know the Lord loves you, and he disciplines those he loves, and he, you know this world has fallen, and it's painful whether you lose someone or you've gone through just a hard season. You acknowledge him. You keep going. You approve of what he does because you know who he is. 
6, you cling to him and you cherish him above all things. You acknowledge him when you do that. That though the fog is thick and though you've been through it time and time and time again, you cling to him and you cherish him and you keep going. To trust in the Lord with all of your heart and all your ways you acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Then you get to verse 7, which people memorize 5 and 6. They forget 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You know, Jesus is the wise son, but we can live wise lives when we live righteously. We've talked about this over and over again, a righteous act, doing the right thing for the right way, for the right reason at the right time. Doing the right thing, what God has said, the right way in love according to what he has said. The right reason is always the glory of God. And at the right time, remaining in prayer, applying the wisdom of God in every situation. We can live wise lives, but apart from dependence upon the Lord, we are extremely foolish in our living. Wisdom is fearing the Lord and turning away from evil. This is the art of godly living. Fearing the Lord and turning away from evil is healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. What a promise. That it's, it's renewal. It's an inner renewal. A healthy and refreshed life. That's something that's done with the mind. We get into the word. I can tell in my life when I eat healthy, I have an inner renewal. I have, I have healthy. I feel more refreshed. I feel like I have more energy when I, when I eat healthy and I do what I should be doing. This is talking about a spiritual nourishment. It's an inner renewal of fearing the Lord, turning away from evil, that it's healing to our flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's a picture of what heaven will be like all the time. Trusting and fearing the Lord is honoring the Lord with your wealth as well, it says. And the first fruits of your wealth. It's not that you give the Lord your leftovers. You give him the cream of the crop, the top part of that. And you say, Lord, I trust you completely. After all, we don't just trust the Lord with our life. We trust the Lord with everything that we have. Because let's just be honest, it's all his. We don't fear God if we don't give to him what is already his. Scripture says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Verse 10, this is loved by the prosperity teachers. It's used as a mechanical formula. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. When we are fearing Yahweh, we are trusting him and living according to his commands. Being a cheerful giver, we will be satisfied. Barns filled with plenty, vats bursting with wine. This symbolizes prosperity. It's not if you give, God will give you more. This could be true. I personally have found that the more I give to the Lord, the more he gives me to give. Prosperity here is not referring to more earthly items, but to a good life of being satisfied with the Lord. A life lived according to our creator, that is a good life. That is the reward. You want satisfaction? Find it in the Lord. 
abide in his word, stay in his word, camp out in his word, be overwhelmed with your affections for the Lord, that you are completely satisfied in his character and who he is, what he has done, what he will do, and what he has promised to do. That is where you will have a reward, a great reward, an eternal reward, a life lived according to our creator. That is a good life. Verse 11 and 12, the prosperity teachers leave these verses out. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. It says, do not despise or reject the Lord's discipline. Do not become weary of the Lord's reproof. Look at your life. Many of you in your 20s, you understand this. You have seen times in your life where you have rejected the Lord's discipline. You've continued that path down sin. Where did that get you? Do not become weary of the Lord's reproof. Why? The Lord reproves him whom he loves, just like a father who delights in his son. Hebrews 12, we find this. Consider him, considering Christ, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Many of us, we're weary and we're faint-hearted because we don't think about Christ daily. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline. If you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, he the Lord, the Lord disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness for the moment All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, many of us, we've just gone through a bunch of discipline with the Lord, but we haven't been trained by it because we've rejected it and we don't want it. We want the Lord to get us through it, but we don't want to glorify the Lord while we're in it. See, we need discipline and correction from the Lord. We are not perfect. He is. He loves us so much that he continues to show us the way of lady wisdom. That's what it is to be disciplined by the Lord. It's you and I walking down the wrong path. And as we're going down that wrong path, he says, no, stop. Don't go that way. Go this way. Come back to Lady Wisdom. Follow the righteous path. Leave this alone. The soul set on many things can do nothing well. We must set our soul upon the Lord and follow what he has breathed out for us, treasuring the teaching of God to walk in the path of Lady Wisdom. Set your soul on God and the doing of his word. John Wesley 
He said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw whether they are clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of God upon the earth. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter your title, who you are, what you've done, all your experiences you've gone through. It doesn't matter if you've been the majority of your life on the, on the, following the, the path of the fool. Set your heart upon living for the Lord and you will see what happens in this life. We will glorify God. We will enjoy him. We will be satisfied. We will find contentment. But do not lean on your own understanding. We are to trust God. We are to follow his commands. We don't reject the Lord's discipline. We humbly grow. We adjust our life to the word of God. And we leave the foolish path and get on the path of lady wisdom. In other words, when God disciplines us, we must repent of that. Ask for forgiveness. We must confront our complacency. We must confront our selfish greeds that we have and apply wisdom. We're to love the Lord with every area of our life, whether it's little or large. And I am exhausted, just as you are, in being content with saying, Lord, it's just something very little. Lots of little things will stray you very far from a wise path. Confront those things. Repent. We cannot say that we fear the Lord if we neglect his commands. Because a life of righteous living is a wise and good life. This is to be our pursuit. And we are to keep pursuing this until the Lord calls us home or we depart from this world because he has returned and brought us home. This is to be our pursuit, a life of righteous living. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your patience. Father, I just think about my own life and I think about your patience with me with each passing year. I thought years ago I was wise and I know today I am a fool and I was a fool then. Thank you for pointing so clearly in your word that your son is a wise son but we can live righteously as your children by following your word, doing the right thing the right way for the right reason at the right time. Father, you have confronted many sins in our lives this morning. Maybe it's a large thing. Maybe it's a bunch of little things. You have shown us areas in which we have not set out to, Lord, I'm going to glorify you in this. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be faithful and repent of those things this morning. We would search your word so that we can live a wise life in that area. Father, I pray for those who are here this morning who think that they are good enough For those who think, if I keep this, I am great. 
Father, squash moralism and squash legalism in their life and show them that without the righteousness of Christ, they will not enter heaven. Draw the lost to yourself this morning. May they repent of their sins and trust in Christ. Father, throughout the week as we confront situations, Lord, would you, would you be gracious to us, bring your word that we have read and listened to this morning to our minds and that we follow Lady Wisdom and glorify you, make much of you with the life that we have to live. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Use this time of silence for personal reflection and examination.